This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 137 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the CyberWire. Booking.com is one of the leading travel booking sites in the world, facilitating over one and a half million room nights via their platform every day. With that many clients, in addition to a network of third-party suppliers and partners around the world, Booking.com successfully fends off more than their fair share of attempted attacks. Our guests today are members of the team that work to protect Booking.com. Anastasios Pinos is a principal security engineer, and Stuart Shevlin is program lead for intelligence. I caught up with Anastasio and Stuart at Recorded Future's R Fund Predict 2019 conference in Washington, D.C. Stay with us. Booking is the largest digital travel uh, platform in the world today. We take security very seriously for that reason, and we have to protect a lot of data from uh, our guests, our partners, and of course our employees. That's Anastasios Pinos. That means we face many different threats, like a wide variety, from uh, things you would see in e-commerce, uh, things like fraud, like financially motivated threat actors, but uh, also since we're a global company, uh, things that affect uh, global businesses. Think about the uh, geopolitical changes, protests that might be happening, uh, hacktivism. A lot of the times, it's all, all of these things end up to physical threats. And apparently, probably you have seen in the news things like a dark hotel or a, other APT groups that are specifically targeting travelers for intelligence collection and. Again, we are in this business, so of course we're getting targeted and Stuart, I want to add anything more. Yeah, I mean, look, we're sitting in the middle of a ton of data. That Stuart Shevlin. Is valuable for a lot of people. We have a worldwide presence with physical offices, partners, guests, colleagues, could be traveling anywhere, could be somewhere like DC, could be a much higher threat location. They all come with their own risks. Uh, so we have that to think about. And then we have sanctions controls, abuse cases. And of course, as Anastasia is well aware and deals with on a regular basis, we have the cyber threats that come with that as well. I think from the intelligence side and trying to deal with this, uh, we support, I mean, a really large number of business units across the company. Uh, and we're really dedicated, I think, within intelligence to discovering these threats in their quite early stages uh, to the extent that that is possible, um, including through a lot of high-level collaboration with our counterparts facing similar challenges in other companies as well. I think that's something that we think is really important is that networking and that connection between companies that's actually going on so well here today. In addition to that proactive work, uh, we're continually supporting our internal stakeholders in investigations and intelligence analysis related to the risks that they flag to us. And we collaborate as much as we can across the company to rectify their impacts and prevent future occurrences. Yeah, I mean, it, it strikes me that with a, an organization as large as yours and the the things, the breadth of things that your organization touches, because you're dealing with a lot of third-party yeah. suppliers, yeah. Um, what might be a, a bit of valuable uh, information for one part of the company um, may have different meaning and value for a different part. So that dissemination of information must be important. And yes, absolutely. That was actually the main reason why we are expanding the threat intelligence uh, 
beyond the cyber side, uh, which is not very common, but uh, we see a lot of value in that and probably yeah, you can add more details to that. No, I mean, I, I think that's a good answer. I think, you know, that's, it is part of the reason that this came about is that this, this, a lot of things touch a lot of stakeholders within the company. And it's important that we have a, a group that can communicate that out effectively. And when you say you're expanding it beyond the cyber, what does that, what does that entail? I think honestly, expanding it beyond the cyber is a matter of necessity for us. As you've already touched upon, we have a pretty wide range of risks that we face, as any company in our position does. So we're constantly watching to see when the next hurricane or typhoon might hit, where the next political crisis might arise. Uh, in order to ensure the safety of our local staff, uh, our business travelers, and to the extent we can, our partners and our customers as well. Add in the, uh, the highly inventive range of uh, fraud actors dedicated to finding vulnerabilities in, in any global e-commerce company's infrastructure, uh, as well as just the nature of dealing with these millions of consumers and partners, our needs just naturally extended beyond the cybersecurity practice. And they're so interconnected as well. I think, you know, that, that's a very good point that you raised. Um, especially in the last few years, more and more of these cases are becoming linked together. So a geopolitical crisis might lead to incidences of hacktivism. Uh, and that same group of actors might use that acquired knowledge to commit fraud for personal gain as well. Uh, so having a team that can expand beyond that cybersecurity domain, I think, is, is super important. Well, let's dig in some to this notion of team building. I mean, how have you gone about building your own threat intelligence team within the organization? Yeah, that uh, actually started organically in the beginning. Uh, it started with a few people trying to dig more into the threats that we were facing and uh, see what we can find. Uh, we started seeing uh, that the whole travel industry had similar threats. And uh, as we realized this one, we saw overlap. And uh, very quickly, as we were growing, we realized that there are, it is not as simple as it seems. So in the beginning, you think about you're going to get some people from the fraud department, from uh, corporate security, from cybersecurity, and put them and work together. But in reality, it is uh, way more complex than this, uh, even for things that you don't initially think about. Like, uh, for example, uh, how do you store the data you collect? What approvals do you need to store the data? Uh, how do you conduct your research online? Uh, what infrastructure do you use to do that? Do you use your corporate infrastructure? Do you use an external infrastructure? So, uh, of course, products uh, helped us a lot in this one, intelligence-related products. But at the end, it's a really long journey. It's not just uh, one thing that you buy, you put in place, and suddenly everything works. So. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's definitely a journey. I think the biggest challenge we've had is that Booking.com is a data-driven company. So we have to prove our value to the business. Uh, and sometimes that's not very measurable in terms of intelligence. Um, avoiding a crisis or proactively supporting the building of controls for an upcoming attack is quite hard to measure. It's quite hard to say, hey, here is the ROI on what we've done here. Right. Congratulations, nothing happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? If I got that every time, it would be lovely. Right. Um, and we still haven't finished this journey at the moment. Um, I think the message, honestly, that we, we probably pass on in this regards is that if you're thinking of building an intelligence function, just consider that scope um, and focus more on the outcome and the intelligence products that you're you're trying to produce 
instead of the tools that will get you there. The tools are important, but you have to know what they're going to aim towards and you have to know about it's going to look like in the, at the conclusion of things. How do you go about sort of shopping for those tools? How, how do you select, you know, what, what matches best with your needs? So I would say this is like a common procedure. We don't do anything very, I think, very innovative in that area. So what we typically do is uh, continuously try to look what's out there, uh, mm-hmm. test out, talk to vendors, like go to events like uh, this one, like Accord the Future over here, to see uh, what we can learn, learn from uh, other people that have similar challenges. And uh, eventually when we find something that uh, we think is going to cover a gap, evaluate it and see what it can provide to us. So uh, I would say it's uh, a common process, but uh, at the end, uh, the tools themselves are not the only thing that uh, is valuable. It is uh, all of the ecosystem that builds that intelligence team. Yeah, I mean, it's a common process, but it's a process that works at the end of the day. It's about making sure that we're aware of what's on the market, making sure that our external contacts are telling us, hey, we've seen this, we've tried it, it works incredibly, and making sure we we accurately compare it against the vendors that we're currently working with and others out there on a regular basis to make sure that they're still providing an ROI to our stakeholders internally. Um, you know, uh, the procurement process is, is pretty rigorous. Um, we have, we have to make sure that it provides the benefits that we're going to need as a company. Um, and I think we're, we're very good at that whilst also being relatively creative in the, uh, the mix of vendors we bring on as well. Yeah. And, uh, another small comment on this one, uh, I think Stuart already mentioned it earlier, but, uh, a really key point in that area also plays the relationships and, uh, yeah, yeah. not only for, uh, the tools themselves to get the feedback from other users, but also on the intelligence that you might get from other people. Because let's say you have uh, certain relationships with another similar company and they're getting attacked, it's highly likely that you will be also attacked from the same threat actor. So it is good to have these relationships. And again, uh, conferences, events, uh, networking is very important in this uh, area. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting. Sort of that old, uh, you may be competitors, but the enemy of of my enemy is my friend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Well, in terms of again, back with the team and um the the um the security team and the department itself, what part does the threat intelligence team pay, play within the larger defensive organization? Yeah. Um so I think we actually have a major advantage in that regard in that the threat intelligence team are booking all the individuals within the team are fantastic advocates for the subject matters they're experts in. Uh, I think they really are, are quite proactive in making sure they take steps to collaborate on a personal basis with our stakeholders. Obviously, you can have too many meetings sometimes, mm-hmm. but there's a lot to be said for those face-to-face meetings with coffee and that very simple question of what can we do for you? Uh, and I think that's where we can actually cater very well to the needs of the security department. I don't think we're perfect yet. Uh, and I don't think we've got to the point where we're addressing the requirement of every team within the security department or within the wider business. Um, but right now it's really through ensuring those personal connections between the intelligence SMEs and the stakeholders in other units are strong. Um, and honestly, that we can speak openly, candidly with each other about the problems they might be facing. Yes, yeah, yeah. so... 
to give you some idea, some of the work that have already formalized to a certain degree is like strategic intelligence, intelligence reports for our leadership uh, to help them make decisions, whether this is for uh, something like natural disasters or uh, cyber threat or anything else. Uh, then we have operational intelligence report that mostly go to engineering teams to proactively build defenses that, of upcoming attacks that we have sufficient uh, intelligence to prove it. And uh, apparently there is also the tactical side, which is uh, enriching uh, automated systems, uh, helping operational teams during uh, incident response other investigations. But uh, yeah, as Stuart mentioned, we are still in that journey. So there are many more areas we need to improve and uh, many more areas that we want to get more mature at. Can you give us some insights on what it's like operating at a global scale? I mean, you have you have your organization is all around the world. You have people um, all over, and that means you're you're dealing with information coming to you from many many different sources in many different formats. Yeah. So I would say this has two sides. Uh, one side is it's a very positive since uh, we get to see a lot of things very early. We get to have uh, visibility all around the world, but at the same time, we also need to be able to proactively monitor and uh, make sure that we prevent threats that uh, that we we discover. So uh, one uh, interesting part in that thing is that uh, and that applies just to most companies that have a global presence, that uh, we are able to find links in seemingly unrelated events, and I think this is the key part of the, this thing that. Uh, in some cases, let's just take a hypothetical scenario. So let's say that uh, there is a protest in a country. And uh, what would normally happen in a global business is the corporate security team will make sure the employees are safe. They're either working from home or they are notified that this is going on. And uh, let's say a couple of days later, there is a cyber attack, for example, a, a denial of service attack, something like that. Again, in most companies, that would be dealt with uh, the CSER team or the SOC. And they will deal with that thing. They will make sure that every, all of the services keep on running. But there would be nothing that connects those two. And in a lot of cases, there might be a clear connection between them. And uh, if you find this connection, then you can actually find the motivation, the intention, and start actually getting more proactive. Because then you know that you have certain threat actors actually targeting you. So yeah, you can, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, will. I mean, I think, I think Anastasius is right. And I think it's particularly common in cases of fraud. Uh, actors use a whole host of methods. Uh, obviously, you get phishing attempts via email. You even get them approaching people in person uh, to trick our users into doing anything from installing a malware to performing fraud on their behalf, for example. So being aware of those methods, trends, understanding the steps needed to take to proactively prevent uh, and rectify the impacts of such attempts to abuse our platform, harm our customers and partners is really important to making sure we can facilitate the work that booking.com does and that we make it easy for people to experience the world. Yeah, it, it strikes me too. I mean, uh, all this is is happening sort of under the surface. It's behind your, your work is behind the scenes and um, to the customers, all they're seeing is that when they, when they come to your website, when they're, they have their bookings being done, it's just, it's just happening. They're not, ideally, they're not even aware of all of the, all the stuff that's going on that, that your team's working on. I guess the best case scenario. <laughs> yes. We, we used to have a saying in security that we want to make, to make it as frictionless as possible. So ideally, people should not even care that security is in place. It should just work. And uh, this is something that uh, we had from the tech side of the business. We are a very tech-oriented company. So 
we want to uh, innovate as much as possible that also includes security. So we don't want to hassle anyone with security unless it's absolutely necessary. And apparently, uh, as uh, uh, it was mentioned earlier as well, in a certain case, we notify customers, we notify partners, and of course, employees, if we know there is uh, certain threats out there. But uh, in general, yeah, we want to keep it as transparent as possible. Yeah. What are your words of wisdom? What are your tips based on the things you've learned, spinning up your own threat intelligence organization? What sort of uh, guidance would you have for other organizations who may be doing the same? Don't instantly think that you're the expert in everything in the company is the most important thing I would say. Go in, take the time to identify your stakeholders, have a coffee with them. They're a wealth of information. Ultimately, they're going to be the consumers of your products as well. You've got to make sure that you're catering to the gaps that they identify and that you're using those discussions to highlight gaps that they might not even know exist yet at this mm -hmm. point. Um, it's a collaborative game at the end of the day. Uh, and I think that also comes into benchmarking as well. People, I think from the outside, have this idea that people that work in security intelligence are scary or maybe not the most open people in the world. But honestly, you'll find that a lot of people within companies in these roles are really happy to talk through how they started, the processes that they used, even if they can't go into the details or they can't tell you what they did in a prior life, uh, they'll at least be able to kind of put you on the right path. So I think just just be open to, to really listening to people internally and externally. Yeah, and for me, actually, the wisest advice, I have heard it a few years ago from an intelligence officer. Uh, he said that intelligence is not about stealing secrets, it's about providing answers. And uh, I think this uh, really key to me, that uh, what you need to do as, a, as an intelligence uh, function is to make sure that you are helping decision making the decision making process. So, yeah, you shouldn't care about anything else. That's that's the goal. Of it. Our thanks to Stuart Shevlin and Anastasios Pinos from Booking.com for joining us. We sat down at Recorded Futures 2019 R Fund Predict Conference in Washington D.C. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Futures Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Monica Tadros, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.